So you're really doing the, uh, like I say, building the awareness within the community. And, and we tell people, do what you do best and hire the rest. We have franchisees that do all the marketing and they've hired administrators and, and uh, recruiters to take care of the uh, caregivers and, and the uh, clients. Um, or we've seen the reverse as well, where they hire a really good marketer and uh, they may be more operationally uh, oriented. Welcome to Fran Coach's Franchising 101 podcast series. Here we talk about all things franchising. What is it all about? Is it for you? How do you find the best one to own? And so much more. Now your host, Tim Parmeter. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the latest edition of the Fran Coach's Franchising 101 series. I am Tim Parmeter, founder and CEO of Fran Coach, and your Franchising 101 host. Today, we are excited to bring you uh, the always fun uh, June edition of the Franchisor Spotlight. Um, in the Franchisor Spotlight, we feature one of our franchise partners, and we're going to spend the next 30 minutes or so getting a chance to take a deep dive into what they are all about. This month, we are featuring a franchise that's really a leader in their industry, and it is a booming industry and, and one that is poised for huge growth. Some of the amazing benefits of this franchise, you have the ability to grow a big business and make a huge difference in your community. They have some unique scaling potential options for owners with multi-territories, as well as a master franchise option. Um, really has a membership model with clients plus multiple revenue streams, um, a passionate, dedicated staff, low investment, low overhead, and owners average uh, well over a million dollars in annual sales. So it sounds pretty good, right? Well, before we get to that, we of course have to uh, tell you a little bit about who we are. Uh, Fran Coach is a national search firm dedicated to working with individuals interested in owning a franchise. We are partnered with over 500 of the top franchisors in the country, spanning nearly 60 industries. Our goal is to help clients find the absolute best franchise for them to own. And our goal of the Franchising 101 podcast series and franchise series is to help educate people on all things aspect related to franchise ownership. Um, so that is a bit about us. Um, now let's get to our guest. Uh, joining us today is Mr. Dan Durney. And Dan is the Director of Franchise Development for our featured franchise, Assisting Hands Home Care. Dan, how are you, sir? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. And greetings from uh, Chile, Arizona. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a struggle out here in the desert, isn't it? So um, <laughs> I uh, got a... Uh, Check on the check on the pool temperature today to see if the water, if we can actually um, cook pasta in there, if we need to wait a couple more days for for that. So next week it's supposed to be yeah. 117, so that might be the week to do it. it, it indeed, the first world problems uh, we have out here. So, um, well, cool. We've got a. I hope you're ready, man. We got a bunch of things we want to talk to you about, and, sure. and already on on this. First slide for those that are seeing this and not just hearing it. A um, lot of great accolades with assisting hands, ton of great things. But I always like to just get an idea of what does this business do, almost kind of from a consumer perspective. So talk to us a little bit about assisting hands and, and kind of what, what the business is all about. Well, thank you for the opportunity today. Uh, again, I'm looking forward to chatting with you about uh, what assisting hands does. Um, the target uh, business for the franchisees is uh, best described as in-home care targeted towards seniors. The goal is to help uh, seniors be able to stay in their home as long as possible for a multitude of benefits, both family and health, et cetera. 
is primarily non-medical, um, but we do offer options for our franchisees if they want to get into medical. Not a lot do. There's a lot more hoops to jump through. Um, but we can also do uh, temporary staffing, care management, et cetera. Um, we rolled out two new programs during COVID, called Sure Connect and Employee Wellness. Both came from franchisee suggestions, by the way. Um, and even a, a little bit of uh, medical equipment sales, et cetera. But the real differentiator for uh, assisting hands from a consumer standpoint goes back to our history where we were uh, founded with the goal of, of providing well-trained caregivers. That's really our emphasis. If you, and our secret to success, quite frankly, is if you take good care of the caregivers, the caregivers will take great care of the clients. So that's always been our emphasis of uh, really well-trained uh, caregivers providing uh, compassionate care for uh, seniors and others who need a little bit of uh, extra help. I mean, that could include people that are post-operative, you know, recuperation, or even uh, folks on uh, high-risk pregnancies where women are on bed rest before they give birth, and even special needs like um, Alzheimer's and dementia and even autism. So lots of fl- uh, flexibility for a franchisee software variety of services for the consumer. Okay. Awesome. So, so cool. So def, definitely. And, and again, with the growing senior population, what is, what is it like something like 10,000 people 10, a day? 10,000 a day turns 65. There's 78 million baby boomers of which I'm one of them right near the end. I was born 61 and the oldest of us isn't even 75 yet. Um, so it's just the tip of the iceberg. It's a, it's a humongous market with a definite need. Um, for assistance. Well, it's and and I think there's a few things with that too. I'm sure you'll talk more about it. But the 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 distance we tend to be away from our families now, right? Um, I mean, my I live in Arizona. My family's uh, my parents are in, and one of them in particular is in in need of service like this. Well, they're in Indiana. Um, you know, I I can help financially, but that's about the extent of it. Um, and it's a big reason, like, you know, I'm, I'm a spoiled the crap out of my eight-year-old. He's my only hope to take care of me when I get old, right? So <laughs> it's, it's either that or, or on my own assisting hands. So I've got the built-in staff. So um, talk a little bit about the business model. Um, just kind of, I, I guess, kind of in general, I think one of the, the things people always wonder about is, hey, as I'm an, if I'm an owner, like, I don't have to go in there and take care of grandma, uh, but what does that look like kind of, kind of um, you know, office staff, a little bit about the owner? Sure. Well, an agency, as we refer to them, is basically three main departments. Uh, you have uh, HR slash internal ops, which is the recruiting, hiring, training. And I use the phrase matchmaking of the caregiver with the clients. And we use technology to facilitate um, the keeping a bench of the caregivers and what their qualifications and availability are. So when a home assessment is done, uh, then you can match up the requirements of the client with which caregivers are available and can do those things. Could be, can they cook? Can they drive? Um, age, demographics, um, languages spoken, uh, et cetera. So the software helps to do that. Um, and then the second department is accounting. So billing, invoicing, and payroll. And uh, we use a lot of technology to help facilitate um, the check-ins, for example, we use EVV, electronic visit verification. Uh, all the caregivers have an app on their phone that clocks them in automatically. It's HIPAA compliant and secure in the cloud. And for situations like yours where you might have a loved one remotely located, the caregivers put their notes into this app 
And then if the client has given permission for their, say, adult children or grandchildren or guardians to view those notes, they can log into a secure portal called the family room and be able to uh, view those notes. Uh, plus it helps for documentation. So uh, uh, HR, internal ops, first department, second department, accounting, third department, good old sales and marketing, where you're out building the relationships in the community uh, with discharge planners and case managers at hospitals and assisted living facilities, social workers, things like that. Um, reverse mortgage, uh, uh, brokers that do reverse mortgages, another great lead source. So you're really doing the, uh, like I say, building the awareness within the community. And, and we tell people, do what you do best and hire the rest. We have franchisees that do all the marketing and they hire administrators and, and uh, recruiters to take care of the uh, caregivers and, and the uh, clients. Um, or we've seen the reverse as well, where they hire a really good marketer and uh, they may be more operationally uh, oriented. Um, but as you see on the slide, it is, it, it is an office space. It's not home-based, but it's a small office, seven to 900 square feet. Maybe you just need to have a small conference room for training and an office that you can close the door and confidentially do uh, interviews with caregivers. Um, and it is a full-time business. This is not a semi-absentee or uh, you know absentee type of uh, business. It is a role to sleeps. So there are times that you may, uh, as especially early on while you're building your staff out, which by the way should be three people when you start the business uh, yourself uh, as a franchisee and uh, two others. Um, but it, sometimes it happens that you may need to go uh, sit with the grandma and maybe on a companionship thing if a caregiver uh, calls out or as a flat tire or something like that. But eventually you build the staff to where they have you have all the backups and the uh, and the escalation uh, uh, situations handled where people uh, are delayed or someone gets sick, et cetera, software handles all of that uh, as well. And I, uh, as it says on the thing, it also is a very scalable business because as you add a client, you're not restricted to a facility uh, for serving like a restaurant. As you add clients, uh, you add a caregiver and the service is provided typically at the home of the client. Or in some cases, and this happened uh, during COVID, our business picked up substantially during COVID because A, people were pulling their loved ones out of assisted living facilities, but then hiring caregivers to come into the home to help or where they couldn't go visit their loved ones because of the travel restrictions or quarantines. But caregivers were still allowed because we're an essential business, we're allowed to go in. So we picked up clients where the caregivers went and visited them at the, uh, uh, at the assisted living facilities. Gotcha. Well, no, and you talked about in one of those three people, owner plus two, really kind of that recruiter essentially and building that bench of caregivers and this is when 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 fully operational and 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 kind of at capacity you may have more caregivers on your staff and your roster than you actually have clients which is a, a pretty rare thing but you're you're only really paying them when they work right, right. um but you want right. to be able to have that Again, I just always probably use too many sports analogies, but you, you, you gotta have you gotta have that bench. Somebody got in foul trouble, or you gotta change pitchers, or or whatever. Right? We need to have those people to come in behind the scenes. Um, but I think it's it tends to be somebody's I'll say concern, or at least question curiosity about this industry is, oh my gosh, I need a lot of caregivers. How do I find them? What do they? Maybe talk a little bit about just the that kind of maybe that caregiver profile, some of the, I know it's a really wide range, but where some of the places or some of the backgrounds for your caregivers? Well, some are, for example, starting the lower end uh, students. We have one franchisee whose wife uh, is a teaching nurse at a college and she can, she's continuing in that profession. 
um, because she has access to nursing students that can be great uh, caregivers. Uh, Meanwhile, the husband and the uh, older daughter are uh, launching the business. Um, It's some recruiting happens where, for example, in Florida, you have have to have an HHA or uh, uh, CNA certification. And uh, so some of the franchisees get involved in recruiting at the schools um, as well. One of the best uh, forms of recruiting is the caregivers recruiting their friends and then compensating and referring caregivers after a certain number of hours are uh, performed uh, work-wise. So there's a variety of ways to recruit caregivers. But at the end of the day, this is an employee management business, and you have to be able to build that family culture uh, with the caregivers so that if they're, which by the way, it's not uncommon, they might work for more than one agency depending on which uh, schedules or, uh, or clients they could be given, um, especially for students, that um, you build that family culture so that if given the choice, they'll take the, uh, they'll take the client with uh, assisting hands. Nice. No, and that's, that's an area we've had, we've had a few clients that have gotten into this industry and tapping into the schools has been a, been a huge thing for them. And, mm-hmm. and you, you hit the other one that I don't think most people think of is the caregiver referrals. Um, they're, they're, your caregivers, they get a job, they enjoy, they're making a difference. They're happy about it. They're not, you know, they're, they're not the barista at Starbucks. They're really mm-hmm. making a difference in the community. And, 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 you, and you know this way better than, than me, the caregivers become part of the family yeah. and that res, they're, they're talking about that. And then somebody in their, their family, their friend, their inner circle, really all of a sudden next thing they their own, Hey, you know, you need to hire my friend. Like, she would be great at this. She would, he would love this. Um, so that becomes huge as well. So yeah, the caregivers um, are very nurturing to talk to your question about, uh, what's the profile They're typically very nurturing type of people. Um, and they come from all walks. They could be students. They could be, um, uh, folks whose kids are away from school and they've got a uh, time between, you know, nine and two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, some will do mostly companionship. Others will be, um, more skilled at doing like transfers uh, or bathing and dressing, feeding. Uh, so it just depends on what's uh, uh, needed. So there's a variety of uh, skill sets, but uh, the main thing is they have to have a heart and a, a love and a compassion for caring for seniors. Awesome. Talk a little bit about um, maybe the owner, right? So you mentioned, you know, hey, do it best and hire for the rest, but what are what are some, some of the main things that you really look for in, in a franchise owner? Well, interestingly, no re- uh, direct experience in the industry is required. And like a lot of food concepts, they want you to be restaurant experienced or have a GM. Uh, I can't even think of one of our franchisees that uh, has been in the senior care business. Now, we have a couple that are nurses. We have a couple that were social workers. Uh, we have several people came from insurance, from consulting uh, businesses, uh, Armando Morales, uh, came from a, uh, international, uh, printer company. Um, so in the technology sector, um, so it, it's a wide variety, but a common theme is that they've all had some type of, uh, either direct or vicarious experience with caregivers, uh, regarding a loved one, a parent, a grandparent, or, uh, someone close to them where they've, uh, either provided the care directly or they interacted with caregivers. Some have had good and bad experiences. And frankly, sometimes the bad experiences have driven the franchisees to want to get into this business to do it right. Um, 
Well, that's but, a big reason why the, your, your, your founder with assisting hands, right? You talked about, um, you know, wanting those well-trained caregivers. That was a big reason why the, the business was founded in the first place, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. Um, so, so you, you've got, you've got kind of a, a wide range of, of opportunities there. Then, um, we'll kind of go back to the, I guess the services, but, you know, I, I think the two biggest things you'll hear, we'll, we'll hear from, from folks, and I'm sure you do too, when you talk about senior care, oh my gosh, the caregivers, oh my gosh, the competition, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you and I can, we're going we're gonna to laugh, we're going to roll our eyes, right? Because we, we know, but it's on the surface, it seems, oh my gosh, the competition, which, you know, what's I always kind of say, what's, what's next to McDonald's? Oh, there's a Wendy's and what's across from Walgreens, there's a CVS. Competition means there's the, the, the market, mm-hmm. but the services, the amount of time you're spending with folks, talk about like how the competition really almost doesn't even matter um, kind of in this industry, but there's some, there's certainly some numbers I know you can kind of throw out or just general thoughts on competition. Um, in this particular industry? Well, so there are the three big uh, players uh, that have, you know, 500 to 1,000 units. They have almost no opportunities left in the U.S. except for maybe some a few resales here and there. And most of the growth is international. Uh, at last count, there are approximately 60 senior care franchises, uh, not to mention, um, you know, thousands uh, across the country of uh, independently owned uh, senior care, mom and pop, as we refer to them. Um, but in any one market, you'll likely have, you know, 100, 300 or more uh, companies. And so where we stand out is part of it is uh, this caregiver training, especially in some states where there's no regulation. Uh, we Our caregivers still go through a assisting hands university training. Um, they're all required to have, um, you know, CPR and first aid and, and various uh, certifications that uh, – that just make us stand out. They're all employees. They're not 1099 contractors. That's another big differentiator. And that gives an extra level of uh, peace of mind for the clients as well. Um, but from a standpoint of competition, there's just so much business. I always get asked, well, have you done a competitive analysis to see which other caregiver companies in there? They're all in your area. <laughs> they're, all, they're all there. And uh, ultimately, we provide the best practices and training to get your business set up. Um, even if you want to provide care, for example, for veterans benefits, uh, folks with veterans benefits or for Medicaid or in California, Medi-Cal, um, or even long-term care and disability insurance, we can help a franchisee get approved as a vendor for those different agencies uh, for reimbursement of uh, services. Although the bulk of the business is definitely still private pay. But at the end of the day, the referral um, partners that you work with will uh, give you a chance to um, earn your stripes and to uh, provide the care that you promised that you're going to provide. And it comes down to how the owner, um, not because some Super Bowl um, you know, commercial aired, uh, but it comes down to <laughs> uh, but it comes down to the um, the unit owner and the market and the reputation that's built. Um, by the unit owner and, and what what they create at the uh, community level. And from a territory standpoint, I think this is the other thing, right? Industry-wide, maybe you have a 
got kind of a defined territory mm-hmm. that, you're, that, that you're going to own. And we'll talk about scalability in a second. We'll just talk, assume it's one. 15, 20,000 seniors usually at a minimum. And I think you guys may be a little bit above that. Um, and then what, what, what do you, what do you look at? 40 to 50 clients. We can do a little math on that, right? I mean, you need a fraction of 1% of the, the people in potential customers in your territory to grow like a million dollar business, right? It's, 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 an, it's insane. So you talk about, well, geez, there might be 50, 75, hundred other companies doing something similar. Most of them mom and pop getting just a, you know, a few clients here and there but it is a minuscule percentage of the population that you need to a big, big business with this, correct? Correct. And, and we won't get into any kind of uh, earnings claims or disclosures on, on this call, but uh, I tell people if you can't uh, find a way to wrangle up 50 clients out of our minimum of 25,000 seniors as part of, we give them pretty generous territories, um, probably shouldn't consider uh, doing this, but you'll have a blend of clients. You'll have some that are just companionship. I don't mean just like that's anything less, but I mean, where it might be, you know, three hours a day, you know, five days a week or something like that. Uh, And then you'll have clients all the way up to 24 by seven round the clock care that might take four to six caregivers to provide that care. You know, in the industry, the range of uh, billings is between 18 and now I've heard as high as $34. Uh, an hour for some cases. So, uh, yeah, you know, people can do the math how many, ultimately it comes down to how many billable hours. It's not how many caregivers, because again, you might have multiple caregivers for one client if they're extended uh, hours, uh, you know, like 24 by seven. Um, Or you may have one caregiver that handles, you know, four clients uh, with a brief companionship visits. So that's not the key ratio. The key key metric is uh, billable hours and what's your average uh, hourly rate. Um, there is a website that your uh, listeners can go to uh, called homecarepulse.com, and that's an independent uh, industry website. They interview uh, franchisees as well as uh, independent uh, owners about their business and produce those uh, results, and we subscribe to that. But that will give us some good information as well. Oh, that's that's you just taught me something. I didn't know that either, so that's good. So. And uh, when you go back to that kind of quality of care, you know, as you mentioned, if it's three hours a day for five days a week, well, it's only, I guess, kind of logical, right? That that person is going to need more time, more care as they continue to age. So if you take good care of them, I mean, you're always out there looking and trying to grow your business and find new clients, but just take good care of them, really be a part of that family and make a difference. And again, the, the revenue is going to increase, um, quality of care, referrals, all of those, all those fantastic things for just basically doing the right thing and doing it, doing it well. So, um, so that's good. Um, talk to us maybe just, again, we, we get into, and you, you can't say it, but I will. I mean, average owners in this industry are usually, uh, you know, in the, in the seven figures range. Again, that's, that's top line. It's not bottom line, but it's a great right. way to start. Right. Um, and, but we can do that for something that has a small office and a couple of full-time employees um, for very little money in the grand scheme of things to get into this. So um, kind of walk us through maybe just some, really high level basics of kind of financial requirements to be able to look at assisting hands. 
Well, so financial requirements for the unit, the investment range is between approximately 80,000 to 152,000. Um, and as your listeners probably know, the FTC regulates franchising and requires you to disclose a range. But we feel comfortable if someone has a net worth of a minimum of 300000 liquid capital of $100,000, and be able to cover personal expenses for 12 months while they ramp up. Um, we also have an area representative model, but I think you want to talk about that uh, a little bit later. But that's what we'd be looking at, 100 k liquid, 300 k net worth, and cover personal expenses for 12 months for a single year. Okay. Well, and, and thanks for doing my job on asking my next question. So <laughs> yeah, no, the, and, and mentioned single units, um, owners can do a single unit and not to minimize a single unit because you can grow a huge mm-hmm. business with just yeah. one territory, but you can do multiple, have a second territory, a third mm-hmm. um, with that, but you guys have a unique scaling option that is not super common and most people don't know much about and that is that area representative model talk to us a little bit about that so thank you so this is kind of where my expertise comes in my franchising career developed several brands that uh, use an area rep uh, model uh, and basically it's similar to a master franchise technically a master is where you take a brand to another country um, and you operate for all intents and purposes as a franchise in that country um, uh, an area represents like a mini me version of that. So, uh, whereas an individual territory for us is approximately 225,000 population, an area representative territory would typically be somewhere between three and a half to six million uh, population. They would open one pilot unit, so they'd still be operating a uh, franchise unit, but then would be responsible for helping to recruit and Coach and mentor is really the skill set we're looking for, but coaching and mentoring the franchisees as an overlay of support in addition to our national uh, support and training. And uh, the area representative has um, uh, opportunity to share in the franchise fees in exchange for recruiting franchisees in, and then also uh, to share in the royalties, um, which, by the way, I didn't mention when we talked about royalties, we only have a 5% royalty. Um, with a step down to f- as low as 4%. So as your revenue increases, the royalty actually decreases, which is fairly rare. And then our national ad fund's only one half, 1%. So um, pretty low on the fees. But the area representative uh, would invest uh, typically between two hundred sixty and $400,000 roughly uh, for territory the size I was just describing. And, uh, and, and it's, again, we're looking for folks there who, not, we're not looking for slick franchise salespeople. Uh, we're looking for people who are uh, operationally sound and good coaches and mentors um, that can help us build a, uh, a revenue, uh, an annuity, really, uh, from a royalty sharing. So you're essentially almost kind of like a mini version of the franchise and, and have the opportunity to build a business of your own because you will have your own operating territory, operating unit build that great business, make all the difference in the community with that, but also have the ability to help other future franchise owners kind of build their business as well. So um, with the, with the revenue potential with that, no, and it's always, always look at this and and the the terms kind of get, 
thrown around a little different. Is it an area representative? Is it an area developer? Is it a master franchise? And there are some subtle differences, but it was really for, for anybody um, with, with, I think, kind of maybe higher end growth with that, as you mentioned, ability to, to co- coach and mentor, train and support, and, and the desire to do that. Uh, this is just a fantastic opportunity and you still have tons of major markets that are available for that area yes. representative. Right? We have uh, 16 area reps and we currently uh, have room for, I think it's a total of 40. So it's another 34 or uh, 24 more, I think. Give or take. Oh, awesome. Um, well, good. I, uh, and I probably am going to, ask a question that I should have asked to lead you into the area representative thing, but anything else, and thank you so much for all the information, but anything else you would want us to know about assisting hands that we haven't talked about already? Yes. And I actually should finish up clarifying. So since we're talking about minimal financial requirements for an area rep, the net worth needs to be 750 K and they need to have liquid about three to 400 K. And an area rep uh, uh, fee is typically not financeable. You can use rollover funds uh, to acquire it, but not uh, traditional financing. So just a little, last bit, a little bit about that. Um, I guess what I would finish up with assisting hands from a differentiated standpoint is the four things that differentiate us. Our technology, our family culture. We have a very strong family culture. As a matter of fact, as part of our process um, for our discovery day, it's held in Idaho and may involve riding a horse. <laughs> we have a very unique discovery day. We fly in the day before. Um, our CEO lives on a working ranch uh, north of uh, Napa, Idaho, near Boise. Boise is just big enough to have a suburb. And um, has an airport. And um, we have dinner at the ranch. We saddle up and ride uh, around a little bit. We watch roping demonstration. He has a, a son who's a nationally ranked roper, by the way, so have a full roping arena and everything, the whole ranch. So it's pretty fun. Just do something to really bond and have some fun together. And then we have a regular discovery day the next day. Um, but our, so our technology, our family culture, our area representative uh, support model slash opportunity. And uh, then finally, that flexibility that I talked about in the services offered and the payor sources accepted. And if you go to the discovery day and you don't want to move forward, you get roped by the founder's son and you get stuck in Idaho on the, on the ranch and like some version of city slickers for those of us that are old enough to get that reference. So, um, very, very cool. Well, um, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today, talking to us all about assisting hands. We really appreciate your time. My pleasure. And, uh, I don't know if you're, uh, putting up, uh, specifics but uh, if anybody wants to uh you can share with them my uh, oh there's your contact information anybody uh, comes through you i'm happy to uh help do an f uh, how to read an fdd call it's a special call i do it's about 20 minutes and even if you're comparing other uh brands along with assisting hands it'll help uh your candidates understand how the layout of an fdd works and what to look for kind of thing so uh, feel free to contact him if there's further interest. I'd be glad to chat with you. Yeah, there's the. You could probably talk for a lot longer on 20 minutes about the FDD, right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, without without question. So, um, and for for everybody joining us live, uh, those who are going to catch the recording, uh, or or certainly on the Franchising One on One podcast when you listen to this, if you would like to learn more about becoming a franchise owner of assisting hands, 
or any of the 500 plus franchises we are partnered with, then let's schedule a brief introductory call. Um, you can find us online at francoach.net. Our main site, our podcast site is franchising101podcast.net, cleverly titled. Um, and then any social media site, we're all out there. Uh, please be sure to subscribe or follow us uh, on the Franchising 101 series wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. There is never, ever any fee for our service. So if you're curious, you're interested, we encourage you to take that first step today to help create your better tomorrow. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Stay safe and we look forward to connecting soon. Have a great day. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for listening to Fran Coach's Franchising 101 podcast, where our ultimate goal is to help educate you on all things franchising so you can create your better tomorrow.